The Bottom Line in Business Talk. Voice America Business. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and this hour, uh, my guests are Mark Mills, who is a certified financial planner and a business journalist, and his wife, Nancy Fernandez-Mills, who is a co-host of a a TV show they have, a producer, a writer. Uh, They have a new book out called Boomers, Funding Your Future in an Age of Uncertainty. Welcome to both of you. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, Let's just kind of set the scene a little bit here. Uh, Tell me about uh, the baby boom generation. How many people are coming towards retirement, and and what's the problem that people are facing uh, amongst the baby boomers? Well, I'll start out on that, Jordan. There's uh, 78 million baby boomers, and those are people born between 1946 and 1964. So some of them are, you know, in their early 60s, and some are approaching their mid-40s. We're focused mainly on the people who are probably 50-plus and are beginning to think about, you know, okay, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And we think in this case this generation is going to have some interesting challenges and do some interesting things in our society. You know, we know that people are living a lot longer. Boomers have a lot of energy. They still have a lot to give. They're not on a glide path down into uh, a quiet retirement. They don't want the permanent vacation. But they may want to make some changes in their lives to do things that are fulfilling and productive and enjoyable. They may not want to work full-time when they get to their mid-60s, but they many say in polls that they want to continue doing some kind of work. So there are a lot of issues around people's a lifestyle, their finances, their health care, their housing, uh, and their desire perhaps to give back to the community that could make this a very uh, a unique time for a, a generation that's facing what we've traditionally called retirement. Are you in general uh, optimistic or pessimistic about how the baby boomers are going to be handling retirement? I, I think we're generally optimistic, Jordan. Um, one, as Mark described, one of the uh, issues here is not a problem so much. It's a it's a bonus. It's a longevity bonus that we've been graced with. The boomers grew up at a time of better health care and uh, better nutrition, and uh, we've had um, you know a, a lot of advances in the medical field to help us live longer lives. I think that that comes with the uh, it's a double edged sword. It comes with the issue of how can I pay. For these uh, bonus years, and if I'm going to live to be 90, um, I want to live in a way that allows me to be active and um, having some good years. So I think um, a lot of experts now say this is actually a new time of life that we haven't named yet, the years like 55 to maybe 85 for a lot of people. And um, so good financial planning as well as good social planning, having a good financial portfolio as well as a social portfolio are really important for this time of life. Hey, Jordan, I I wanted to comment on something. Nancy said she made that reference to people living to age 90, and, you know, that's a a pretty ripe old age. There's plenty of people doing that now, but we're going to see many, many more. Some estimates are that a million of the boomers will live to 100, and uh, the actuarial tables uh, from the people who track these things show that for a healthy couple age 65 today, there's a 50% chance that at least one of them will live to age 92. So that's, you know, 27 years past the traditional retirement age of 65. And, you know, some are going to live longer than that. That's a huge period of time 
where we've traditionally thought, oh, 65, retirement. Well, you you know, that may just not be the case. People, A, may not want to, and B, won't be able to afford to because they haven't saved enough to fund their lives for 27 years. I mean, generally what you hear in the media is that uh, this is a train wreck about to happen, that uh, Social Security is not close to uh, you know, being able to fund the baby boomers' retirement, that uh, Medicare is, is even closer to bankruptcy or in all kinds of trouble. Um, and this is not going to be a very fun time for the baby boomers. It sounds like you're, you're different from what the common perception is there. Well, I think the negatives are perhaps being overdone. You know, the media tends to focus on the doomsday scenario that, that makes for better copy. And admittedly, there are uh, trends such as the ones you cite that are troubling, and certainly there's some portion of the boomers who are going to have a very difficult time. They're going to have medical issues, personal crises of various kinds, and financial challenges, and we're not saying this is going to be a, a cakewalk and a permanent uh, vacation for people by any means, but there is a desire for people to work longer so that they can help to fund that, that period of time. Uh, Social Security is not going to go bust. Even if we don't make changes to it, it will still provide about three-quarters of the promised benefits, so we're not looking at either all or nothing here on Social Security. Medicare, admittedly, is going to be a challenge for the country, along with all things related to health care, and we spend a lot of time on that in the book, on, on getting health care coverage if you leave a job uh, before 65 and you don't have Medicare yet. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a mixed bag, but I think people have to look at this as an opportunity to do something that's very fulfilling and creative and satisfying with this gift of time that we're being given, where we may not have to work full-time and keep putting in the hours for the man, and where, you know, we may have raised our kids and, and most of those day-to-day -day responsibilities are over. Maybe the tuitions are behind us and we're still in good earning years and we can begin to really focus on, okay, what was it I set aside in my life that I really want to do now? What will make me happy going forward? And to really start thinking and planning for that stage of life with what are the opportunities, not just the doomsday scenario. Would you get a general sense that the uh, boomers have saved uh Enough for retirement? I mean, this is the first generation that really had 401Ks. Uh, it's you know, been growing since the early 80s, um, and they haven't a chance to, to grow that. On the other hand, it seems like a lot of people have saved little or nothing. Uh, wh what is your general impression of the amount that people have saved and how that's going to last them through these many more years they're going to be living? I think survey after survey, Jordan, show that boomers are worried about having enough um, to live in retirement, partly because... In uh, our generation, a lot of women delayed childbirth. They had uh, opportunities to build a career. They delayed childbirth. They're, they're um, still helping their children through college, or um, even a, a lot of surveys have shown that some, some boomers are, are being too generous in the way that they're helping their kids, and they're not saving for their own retirement. So I, I do think that part of the book is a wake-up call um, for uh, boomers to start thinking about what they need and to create their own um, financial model, which, you know, we do have uh, some of in the book to think about how they, they can go into this time of life. The other, the other point, though, is that I think just as women um, really sort of had a revolution at work where, where women, um, the, the women's movement led to uh, professional careers uh, for a lot of women in higher incomes, I think that the boomers are going to create a work-life revolution. They're going to want to work longer. They're going to demand uh, part-time professional jobs, phased retirement, and they're going to do creative things that will help them uh, in later life uh, keep 
putting money in the bank. Jordan, many industries are going to find that they're short of skilled workers. Mm -hmm. uh, the boomers are a big generation. The group coming up behind us, our kids, are smaller in number. And you've got this huge number, millions of boomer workers with, with skills, uh, with great work habits, with work ethics, and uh, a lot of knowledge of their industries and their companies, their fat Rolodexes and their contacts, contacts uh, professional contacts. And, you know, companies have been, you know, figuring out ways to get rid of highly paid older workers for years, and many of them are starting to realize, whoa, wait a minute, we got to put this in reverse. We need to hang on to these people. And one industry after another will be awakening to this. Certainly the healthcare area is feeling it now. Many government agencies are starting to realize that most of their human capital is over 50, 55, and, and could be walking out the door. And we think many other companies will find this as well, and that over time companies will develop strategies to try to retain boomers. And again, this is maybe an optimistic view, but I'm hoping for kind of a happy coincidence of millions of boomers who want to continue working, maybe less than full-time, and companies that realize they need to devise strategies to accommodate uh, some of those new work uh, approaches. It's called phased retirement, but a lot of it are ideas that have been around of job sharing and part-time and seasonal work and contract work and things like that. Much more innovation needs to happen in those areas, but we think companies will need to do it and that that uh, individuals will want the work and that one of the spin-offs will be government revenue paid into the tax coffers and into the Social Security system from workers who are staying in the workforce longer than people anticipated. That could be one of the bonuses that helps to offset uh, some of the financial strain that we're seeing in the social programs going down the, down the road. You start off the book, and again, the book is called uh, Boomers, Funding Your Future in an Age of Uncertainty uh, by Mark Mills and Nancy Fernandez-Mills, uh, about saying you are your best asset. Uh, talk about that a little bit, how people should, should see themselves uh, as they phase into retirement or kind of semi-retirement. Well, I think that um, one, of the, one of the points that we um, feel strongly about is that uh, the boomers are going into this new phase of life with a sense of optimism and with better health and better opportunities, more education uh, than any other generation that came before them. And uh, so I think that we think that people need to not only put money in their 401K but invest in themselves. Because if you look at the next phase of your life that could be 20 or 30 years and think back to when you were a student, you put a lot of money, time, and effort into thinking about what was your career going to be, getting educated, getting the job skills you needed, looking for work. And we think that people need to spend a good amount of time envisioning what it is they want to do next, getting some new skills, keeping up with technology, looking into where their passion is, where, they, where their values are, and then preparing themselves for, um, for working in the next phase of their life. So they need to also invest in their health, and they need to stay active, to eat right, to educate themselves about how to, how to be well in body and mind and spirit so that they can go into this next phase feeling positive about uh, aging in America. And, you know, the very first chapter that we write is you are your best asset. When people think about retirement or the future, they immediately start thinking of their 401K balance and whether they're saving enough. And we don't think that's unimportant, but, in fact, we don't even get into the financial side until Chapter 8 <laughs> because we think there are so many other things that you have to focus on. 
but you are your best asset. Your your skills, your knowledge, your contacts, your Rolodex, your relationships with friends and family, your knowledge of the community, uh, you know, your ability to continue to learn new skills and open up new avenues, keep up with technology, imagination, creativity, your personality. Those are things that are going to help shape your life and, and help you develop the retirement you want. It isn't just about what's what's my 401k balance. Yeah, you're right. A lot of people don't really appreciate what they've got going into this, and they think it's all over, and they don't have all these assets. It's right. just starting. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. All right, well, we're going to come back after this break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman, your host of The Money Answer Show, and my uh, guests are Mark Mills, who's a certified financial planner and a journalist, uh, and his wife, Nancy Fernandez-Mills, uh, who's a producer and writer. Uh, their new book is called Boomers, Funding Your Future in an Age of Uncertainty. Uh, their website, by the way, is boomerstv.com. We'll be back after this. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonker. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. The Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, the Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonker. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business, this is Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guests uh, this hour are Mark Mills, who's a certified financial planner, and his wife, Nancy Fernandez-Mills, uh, who's a writer, producer. Uh, they've come out with a new book called Boomers, Funding Your Future in an Age of Uncertainty. Welcome back to the show. 
Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. I'd like to talk about the housing situation a little bit. Uh, for the first time in a long time, we've had housing values falling in many parts of the country, um, and this is probably an asset that most boomers thought was going to be their main asset and source of wealth uh, to fund a lot of their retirement. What is your evaluation of the housing situation, and, and what are some of the advice you give in the book uh, to help uh, boomers make the right housing choices? Well, the financial aspect of it certainly is a lot shakier now than it was even when we started writing this book because the housing slump has deepened. And, you know, housing is cyclical. This happens every certain number of years. We had a horrible housing downturn in the early 90s, uh, and, you know, we had one now because we're, we had kind of a boom period in home prices, and now we're getting the bust of it. And, and like any asset class, to use a technical term, there are going to be booms and busts, and that's happening in housing. But over the long run, we think housing will generally, uh, you know, hold its value, and that for boomers, this could be a source of financial support, uh, but it's a very complicated question. The idea of, okay, we've got the big house in the suburbs in the Northeast, we're going to sell it and for $800,000, and we're going to buy a $200,000 house in uh, somewhere in the Southwest. You know, you could do that, and there are people who are going to do that. Uh, but it can be kind of complicated. You may not want to, you know, uproot yourself and move to another part of the country where you don't know anybody and and where there's a could be a culture shock. You may really want to stay rooted where you are. But we do think that the home is a financial asset as well as sort of, you know, the place where the family was raised and where they may still gather and where there's a lot of emotional ties as well as close, you know, relationships to the area. But we think the financial aspect can be a source of, of uh, support for boomers that may supplement a low balance in the 401k. And there could be some equity there. If you have a big house with a lot of rooms in it and, and it's near a big major city and you may no longer need to work in that major city, why do you want all the overhead and taxes of having a proximity to a major city when maybe you can move two hours away and get a smaller house, buy that house for cash so you have no monthly expense other than your taxes and insurance, and maintenance, but no mortgage, and pocket some money in addition to that, and still only be a couple of hours drive away from friends and family in the community you knew. That's one option, and some people are going to do that, and it's going to work for them. Other people are going to do something, Jordan, uh, called form a, what, what's being called a virtual uh, village or a naturally occurring retirement community. And that means that they're going to age in place. Um, this was begun actually in Massachusetts at a place called Beacon Hill Village. There were people that lived on Beacon Hill in downtown Boston who were getting older and didn't really want to leave their homes. They loved it. They could walk to the stores. They could walk to the symphony hall. They could go everywhere they wanted to go. But they knew they were going to need some services to come to them when they were aging. And what they did is formed a nonprofit and they hired a professional manager who negotiates for people to come to their house when they need them, uh, health care, uh, transportation, some yoga teachers. And um, this is beginning to take off around the country where our parents might have, I know my parents, bought a place in Naples, Florida. They moved down there. They played golf a lot. That's not my retirement. And I can see that boomers may follow this trend of wanting to stay engaged, stay where they have friends and family and they know the community, but get the services to come to them. You, and you there are a lot of options that people have. Uh, there, you know, there's a kind of a growth in co-housing where people join sort of a community and, 
and share some community facilities and cook meals together in, in a in a central building, uh, on, you know, on a weekly basis or something. And uh, there are people that are moving to go to housing developments near campuses because they want to stay close to a place that's fun and exciting and has a lot of cultural activities going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, people that are going to downsize from the uh, big house in the suburbs and get a condo in the city and enjoy the activity and excitement of being in an urban setting at the same time downsize to something that's more manageable and doesn't have the same maintenance and upkeep responsibilities. So we think housing is something that people really need to look at closely, both for the financial aspect uh, as a resource for their lifestyle, uh, for their family ties, uh, there's a lot of complicated issues to it, and we spend actually two really long chapters in the book on all around housing and all of the issues that you might want to consider, including building your own home someplace or living overseas uh, for for a while. There are many people who are living in Central and South America uh, with low uh, cost of living and having their Social Security checks sent uh, south of the border. So there's a lot of options open to people. You have a, a poll uh, result here saying that boomers who are closest to retirement, uh, 35% of them are going to be buying a different or new home. Uh, 21% are going to stay in their current home as it is now. 17% uh, design or build a new home. 15% stay in the current home but remodel a bit. 12% uh, buy a second home and only 1% rent an apartment or home. So it sounds like a lot of people are actually planning to stay where they are and maybe remodel a little bit, not that many move. You kind of think of a lot of retirement people moving as, as almost the first choice. It sounds like that's not what's going to be happening with boomers. Well, you know, I, I think that um, I, I did an interview with, uh, for Mark and I did a public television show about boomers, and I interviewed uh, Chip Case from Wellesley College, who's an expert in real estate, and he pointed out that if one-tenth of the boomers decide to do something, it's a huge trend. There are just so many boomers, and we all won't want the same thing. But um, I do think that, uh, you know, people have, um, people who are in their late 50s, early 60s, if you go to a, a dinner party, real estate is definitely on their mind. They're wondering what is the right thing to do, where will they want to go, where do they want to age. And um, I think we, you know, these surveys are great, but I don't think that they actually tell you what people actually are going to do because the boomers are just turning 60, the oldest boomers, and there's a lot to come to come up. And a lot will depend. I mean, pe people don't know how emotionally attached they're going to be if they have a grandchild all of a sudden. And then the idea of moving to uh, Arizona if they live on the East Coast, leaving that grandchild for months at a time might not be so easy to do. So I think there's a lot of things that are... Um, undetermined yet that people have a vision of what they might want to do um, but I do think there's one thing about the boomers and that they will be creative they'll be looking for new models and they'll be uh, they'll be doing new things I've, I've heard a lot of talk and there have been starting to be some press reports about uh, single boomer women a lot of boomers are single either mm -hmm. divorced or widows and they are pooling their money buying a really nice house, having their own suite, but sharing a living room and kitchen, and living in what is essentially called the Golden Girls house. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that may not last till they're 90, but perhaps in their 50s and 60s that might, might suit them, unless they suddenly meet Prince Charming and get married when they're 70. Who knows? And one thing, Jordan, that we've found in our research was that the 
kind of traditional retirement of say our parents generation of you know maybe selling the house in the in the northeast and moving to florida or certainly getting a second home in florida on a golf course you know where you basically have a bunch of condos and a lot of white rich people uh, surrounding this golf course that that is not uh, viewed as the uh, the panacea for this boomer generation and that they're thinking of they want more community they want to have uh, something in common with the people around them but it seems to be of those who are interested in say active adult communities the the themes they're looking for are things around uh um, uh health and exercise and outdoor living uh there's a margaritaville uh, concept of sort of a fun spirited kind of group that has some appeal mm-hmm. people want more uh, uh, racial uh, uh, harmony and mixture in a community and not just have a bunch of people just like them uh, so the the folks who are developing the new uh, active adult communities are going back to the drawing board here and saying well wait a minute this is not your father's Oldsmobile these guys want something else and they're coming up with a lot of new designs and frankly the the golf course uh, you know, stereotypical thing is pretty far down the list of what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. I'd like to ask you about reverse mortgages. Uh, is, is that going to be a more and more uh, common way for uh, baby boomers to stay in their house and, and get equity out without having to sell their homes and, and move? I I think it is, and I think the companies that provide these, Jordan, uh, and certainly you would know as well as anyone with all of your financial work that you do, that uh, they're really licking their chops waiting for this group to uh, come of age uh, to uh, start tapping into that uh, reverse mortgage. And, and this is really a way for people to uh, take out uh, equity in their home, uh, but they can stay in their home as long as they live. And you and, think it's a good idea? I mean, there are a lot of people marketing it, but do you think this is something people should be doing? Well, you know, I would not look at it as the first thing I would recommend. Uh, I think using up all of the equity in your home uh, which you can do with these things is, you know, perhaps a risk. Uh, you, you, you certainly take away any, uh, or much of the value of the estate that you might want to leave to your family if that's an issue. But for people who are committed to wanting to stay where they are, just don't feel they can afford it all on the income that they have, it is an option. People do have to really check it out though. Kick the tires on these things because they often will have high fees. And you really want to make sure that, you know, what you're doing is, is a good deal. And it's good to do some, some research and comparison shopping on these things. I would not run out and want to do this myself, but partly I feel like, in my case, I'd like to leave some kind of an estate for our kids and the house could be a big part of that. And also, it's sort of your ace in the hole. I mean, if things really take a bad downturn and you're, in your early 80s and you sort of used up your home equity when you were 67 and took all the money out and traveled and lived over your head, you know, you've sort of taken away an escape hatch that you might need 10 or 15 years later. So I'd be reluctant to do it, but for some people it could be a good choice. They just need to research it and make sure that they fully understand it. Uh, the AARP website, uh, we did some research in, on these, and that was one of the places I went to for it. Had a pretty good explanation of reverse mortgages and some of the things you need to look out for. You also do talk, we mentioned about it briefly, retiring to paradise. Is, is that something that is realistic for a lot of uh, boomers? They're going to be able to afford going to the Caribbean or, or Central America? Well, I think it takes a, a certain kind of adventurous spirit to probably think about that, but a lot of people are happy. Uh, we met some people who 
who lived in San Miguel de Allende in Mexico, which has become a big uh, American enclave, and it's got um, perfect temperature. It's it's in the mountains in central Mexico, and it never gets below 60 or above 80. Um, people have a great time living there, and um, they like the idea of living in a different culture. And uh, you know, there there are people who are going to do that. It's just uh, I would say go there. Be there for more than a week or two before you decide to sell everything and move. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, actually, we, we recommend uh, living someplace as a renter for six months in the off-season. Make sure you like it, yes. To see what it's like and use that time to really learn about it, meet as many people as you can who've done the made that move so that you're and make contacts with legal people and banks and whatever other professionals, medical people, whatever you would need as your infrastructure for living there. And then if you really are convinced it's a good thing to do on a permanent basis, you can buy some property and, and you okay. may be able to get a, you know, a good bargain. You cannot, okay, uh, Medicare will not pay for your medical help overseas. They will send your social security check, but you would have to come back to the states to take advantage of Medicare. On the other hand, some countries Mark, have... We actually have to go to a break. I'm sorry. Okay. We'll be back uh, right after this. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work walker. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. The Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, the Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work walker. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business, this is Voice America Business. been listening to the money answer show with jordan goodman if you have a question for jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to jordan 
Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and uh, my guests this hour are Mark Mills, who is a certified financial planner and journalist, and his wife, Nancy Fernandez Mills, who is a producer and writer. Uh, their latest book is called Boomers, uh, Funding Your Future in an Age of Uncertainty. Uh, you can certainly get this at Amazon. Their website is also boomerstv.com. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. I want to talk about health care. Uh, this is obviously a, a big issue. As people get older, uh, they're going to be using more and more health care. Um, nobody's ever seen a situation like this before. You have 78 million baby boomers coming onto the health care system. You talk about bridging the health care gap. What, what should people be doing now uh, to be able to get good health care as this all happens over the coming years? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing we recommend is you know, for people in their 50s now to really pay attention to your health and really think about getting yourself in in shape. If you've been putting that off, get going on this because if you're really going to enjoy this longevity bonus of living into your 70s and 80s and 90s, you got to have that body carry you there and make sure it works so you don't spend all of that time basically being unhealthy and and in the medical system. The medical system will do miracles to keep people alive, but it doesn't mean you're going to enjoy that time and your lifestyle as much as you might if you're in good shape. So when we talk about health, we begin with, you know, proper diet and exercise and really getting your body into the shape it should be in, and then staying in touch with the medical system, having regular checkups so that they can pick up on any problems that might develop early. Early detection can save your life for things like prostate cancer for a man. Uh, make sure you're getting the tests that you should have in your 50s, a colonoscopy. Again, they can pick up on things that they can solve very simply and save your life because we know of people, and we've had this in our family, who postponed some of those uh, early detection visits and, and passed away as a result of finding out about something way too late. So that's important. But then, you know, health care is a, is a big issue and, and getting health insurance and you know, the country, frankly, is really kind of screwed up about health care right now. We're going through this more and more people without health insurance, health insurance being so costly. It's about 50 uh, million now, I guess, something like that, officially. And it keeps going up. It yeah. keeps going up. And some of that is that smaller companies can no longer afford to offer it. And you've got more people working uh, part-time or as freelancers or contingent workers, and they don't get the benefit and they can't afford to pay for it. We will eventually work our way towards a national health system of some kind. I feel like we're in the somewhere along sort of a 10-year path of, unfortunately, the throes of the meltdown of the current system until we arrive at that new one. Uh, but we will eventually get there, and, and uh, we'll do offer some of strategies for people to, for health care along the way. Talk a little bit about Medicare. You probably looked at this carefully. Uh, is it a train wreck about to hit? I mean, what are the finances of Medicare, and, and should people really be worried that it's going to be in financial jeopardy quite soon? Well, I, I, I'm not an expert on the actuarial, uh, the numbers on when Medicare you know, hits the skids, but it, it's, it's financial support, and it's financed now by... Uh, you know, our, our FICA taxes that we pay, uh, part of every paycheck goes towards Medicare, but also uh, some, some general revenues. And then people do pay premiums for Medicare Part B, uh, which covers your doctor visits. There is a premium that people pay, so there's revenue on that front as well. But the, the finances of Medicare deteriorate much sooner than those for, uh, for Social Security. And 
we continue to see health care costs rising at a rapid rate. So there is a train wreck in the making, and we think maybe some kind of wreck has to happen before the political will emerges in the country and in Congress to do something about it. I don't think this country is going to abandon its older people who need medical care, but I do think we're going to face some tough uh, choices ahead in terms of, of the costs that we have to pay. Uh, maybe boomers will have to pay more into the system than they do now, that users, there'll be more uh, fees for consumers of health care than the Medicare system currently has. And they've even started, Jordan, uh, just this year, charging people with higher incomes more for their Medicare Part B than uh, the baseline that most people pay. So if you're making, uh, you know, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000, if you're fortunate enough to be in that situation and on Medicare, you will pay more every month for Medicare Part B than somebody who has a, an average income. So they've already started sort of that progressive uh, taxing. That, that's uh, also true for Medicare Part D, the drug part as well, right? Think yes, increased and the that as well. That, so... so yeah. More finance, more money is going to have to be available, but in the end, I don't think the country is going to abandon its older people who need medical care. But I think we're going to have some wrenching times to get to the point where we get it under control. I by no means think this is going to be easy. I so think what, it's one thing that really will hit the boomers is that a lot of uh, people in their 50s and early 60s are ready to go out on their own. They've learned a lot in their career, and um, they are starting small businesses at a record rate. But these entrepreneurs, one of their main uh, problems will be finding health care coverage. So in some ways, the country is actually stifling uh, creativity and entrepreneurship by, by not helping these people get, get covered. Yeah, there's a name for it. It's called job lock. Mm-hmm. Job lock. People will stay in a job just to get the health benefits. Health care. And they don't want to be, there's no other reason they want to stay particularly. They don't want to stay. They, they may even stay past 65 if they have a younger spouse uh, who isn't qualified for Medicare, and they may stay and get benefits until that person gets to be 65. The problem is you have people who are tied up in a job they don't really want to be doing. They may be burned out. They may have callings to do other things, to start businesses, but they can't leave because they can't afford to get health care. They may not even qualify for it if they have medical issues. You're not guaranteed health care in every state by any means. And then also, that then clogs up the whole workplace so that younger people coming along who might normally advance in their careers are stuck behind these boomers who are going to hang on to their jobs so they have their health care. So uh, there are some pretty pernicious effects throughout the workplace of the fact that we are the only industrialized country that hasn't addressed this health care issue on a, on a national scale. Well, in the meantime, Jordan, we do have a checklist in the book um, about if you're looking into health insurance policies, mm-hmm. how to compare them. Um, so just give what, us some, some tips from that. Well, um, what, you, what you can do is make your own little grid, and you can uh, write down the name of the plan and then compare the financial rating of the company, what is the monthly premium you're going to have to pay, what's the deductible, are there any co-payments, um, what is the out-of-network charge if you go to someone, a doctor who's not covered in your network, um, what what is the cost of prescriptions? Is mental health covered? How about emergency room or outpatient sur- uh, surgery? So there's a there's a whole list of things to consider. So you can um, you can look at this chapter and kind of make your own plan. And just before you jump, before you leave a job, kind of figure out: Can I afford to do this? Is what I'm going to do next 
will it allow me to cover for my health care so I just don't have to worry about that? If, if you do have a pre-existing condition of some kind, uh, maybe if it's not very serious, but something that the insurance companies aren't going to like, is it impossible to get coverage or it's just so wildly expensive that people can't get it? What do you do for somebody who has some kind of a pre-existing condition? Well, in some, in some states, the insurers are required to sell you a policy. Uh, New York, for example, is a state that has that requirement, but it's not that many. Most states also will have a um, essentially a system that the state puts together where the insurers will uh, come together and, and sell policies under a state-organized program to people who can't get it in, in the regular marketplace. Uh, the other thing is, though, that if you leave a job and you uh, you will have a right to buy insurance under COBRA, uh, it's a federal law that protects workers, and you get basically uh, up to 18 months of coverage where you can can buy into your former employer's plan. Quite expensive, though, right, Cobra? It is. You do get the group rate plus 2% for administrative charges, and the company, in nearly all cases, doesn't subsidize it in any way. Yeah. But the group rate, even with the 2% administrative fee, is generally going to be lower than what you'll find if you just go out and buy a policy as an individual. And but but the thing is that that if you continue to have coverage, then insurers have to sell you a policy. It's when you have a break in coverage of uh, more than sixty or sixty three days, I believe it is, that then an insurer may not have to sell you a policy. So you so don't want to have a should, break in coverage. You should get your Cobra for the eighteen months. And you then can get the Cobra if you leave a job to say start a business or even just to retire early or whatever you want to do. Use the COBRA, but then while you still have that coverage, line up other coverage to take its place, and don't go any period of a couple of months without coverage where you forfeit some of those rights to get a policy. Very good. Okay, we're going to go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman, your host, and again, my guests this hour are Mark Mills, who's a certified financial planner, and Nancy Fernandez-Mills, his wife, who've written a book called Boomers, Funding Your Future in an Age of Uncertainty, their website, boomerstv.com. We'll be back after this. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business. This is Voice America Business. You hear business show after business show all geared towards improving a company's bottom line. But what about your bottom line? How come no one ever talks about that? Finally, a show dedicated to the worker. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. The Crow Show is aimed specifically at the worker and their environment. From work skills and technology to dealing with bosses and coworkers, the Crow Show will give you insight on how to survive and prosper in today's workplace. The Crow Show with Paul McLaughlin, the work wonk. Heard every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. 
Gordon Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Keeping you a step ahead of the changing world of business, this is Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. And I'm, uh, my guests this hour are Mark Mills, uh, who's a certified financial planner, and his wife, Nancy Fernandez-Mills, uh, who've got a new book called Boomers, Funding Your Future in an Age of Uncertainty. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Let's talk about investing. Uh, as we said, many boomers have not invested uh, enough. They might have their 401ks. Uh, what are some tips that uh, you would recommend to investors, uh, to, to boomers who need to invest, uh, to be able to live comfortably for these many longer years they're going to be living than, than maybe their parents would have lived? Well, you know, I think there's two ways to approach this. One is the saving side, and the other is the cost of living side. And you know, you can you can First of all, if you can lower your cost of living, you can increase the amount of money that you can save, so they work together. And with a lower cost of living, it also means you have a lower monthly nut that you have to fund from your savings. So we do recommend that people really look closely at how they're spending their money, what really makes them happy and satisfies them. Is it the big screen uh, TV that's going to make you happy, or is it the fact that you know, you like to go out and take a hike and, and enjoy the outdoors and visit your grandchildren and and read a good book and go to a coffee shop for an hour and have a conversation with somebody. I mean, what is it that's going to make you happy? And we're finding that there are a lot of people in our generation who were big spenders and big consumers. Boomers were certainly known for that. But that we're reaching a phase in our life where there are other things that really mean more. And there's an opportunity in that to kind of follow that notion and, and spend less to begin with and lower your overhead and really think about how you want to enjoy your time and your energy in the years ahead. So we, we're big on, on looking at it from both the spending side and the saving side. I think that one, uh, one thing, Jordan, that um, as you approach retirement that we shouldn't get lost in this conversation is if you have a significant other in your life, um, if you're a married couple or, or you just are, are living with someone, um, it's really important to talk about uh, what you want to do in the next phase of life, what are you saving for? It's not just the magic number, but what are you going to do and when do you want to do it? What we've uh, been hearing is that a lot of um, retired people, especially people who can afford to retire early, uh, before 65, might run into a situation with a spouse that um, they're not exactly compatible with what their vision is of how they want to spend their money and spend their time. So it's, it's kind of, yes, we need to save, we need to invest for the long haul, 
but then when we do have a vision of how we're going to uh, spend not just our money but our time, are we in sync with each other? As far as uh, putting a portfolio together, uh, the classic uh, idea, I guess, is you're more aggressive when you're younger, and as you get nearer to retirement, you put more into conservative bonds and money market funds and so on. But if you're going to be living another 20 or 30 years, does, does that work anymore? What kind of asset allocation advice would you give in the book? Well, we recommend several different portfolios, a sort of, uh, I won't even say model portfolios, but I guess that's what they are. They're at least models for people to to work off of and see what, what applies to them. And, you know, you're right. There's going to be a long period of time that people need to fund, and as a result, you want to continue to have growth in your investments. The basic principle here is that, you know, historically stocks have provided a higher return than fixed income investments such as bonds. On the other hand, stocks are more volatile, and you'll have years where you may lose money uh, and years where you may have huge gains and, and average years. So in return for accepting that risk of the ups and downs and volatility of stocks, you do historically get a better return. And with bonds or fixed income investments, cash investments or CDs, you have more safety, less volatility, but a lower return. And we think that, that boomers... Uh, you know, everybody's situation is unique, and there may be some people who are just not comfortable having any volatility in their portfolio, but we caution them that they may have a shortfall in how much they save because they're taking such a conservative path. I think these days one of the things that's happened is, you know, we're seeing a, a, throughout society, I think, a transfer of risk, burden, and responsibility from institutions to individuals. And one of those things that's been transferred is that we all have to be our own pension fund managers now, in addition to everything else we do in our lives. And that means we have to learn how this stuff works. Yeah. And people need to make that effort to learn about investing, understand the basic principles so that they can put together a portfolio and coordinate between all their different investments. They may have an IRA here. Their spouse may have an IRA. They have a 401K. They have another 401k from a prior employer that's sitting around, and they don't really have it all organized. You've got to know where all of that money is, how it's all being invested, is it all coordinated and working in the same direction. And this does take some time and effort, but there's a lot at stake, and it's really worth the effort to either learn to do it yourself or hire somebody to help you do it and pay some money to make sure it's being done properly. In the book, Jordan, uh, we have three different sort of pie charts, which are the models that Mark was talking about with one saying if you're going to retire in five years, uh, generally 60% in stocks, 35% in bonds, and 5% in cash. And then there's a, a, a different allocation for retiring in 10 years and another one for retiring in 15. So, um, you know, 15 years out, you want to be at least 72% invested in the stock market probably. Again, well, this is for people that are comfortable with that. We want We offer these as a guide. People have to, you know, fill in the blanks because these are all unique decisions people have to make. But we're suggesting that people get a good diversified portfolio of stock mutual funds. For example, in the stocks for 15 years out, we say 72% stocks, 28% bonds. The stocks consist of an S&P 500 index fund, a mid-cap growth fund, a small-cap growth fund, some international exposure, international funds, and some emerging markets. Uh, different percentages and proportions for each, but that kind of diversification among size of companies and geographic location, and then with bonds, some diversification for intermediate bond fund, short-term fund, and a high-yield bond fund. Diversify, meaning 
You don't put all your eggs in one basket, and when one part of the market goes up, another part may be going down and vice versa. You want to smooth out that ride, and the more you can diversify all of your holdings across different types of investments, the more you'll get a smoother ride, but still with some volatility, basically no matter what you do. You say one of people's biggest mistakes is borrowing from their 401ks. Is that growing a lot, and what kind of trouble does that cause? I hate it when people borrow from their 401k. <laughs> I, I just I just think the idea, you know, undermines what is really the key, and especially for people in our age bracket, we're in our 50s and approaching 60, and, and you know, maybe if you're younger, okay, but, I, you know, to get a house or something. But for anybody in our situation, no, 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 you don't want to be borrowing anything. You want to be saving. You want to be piling money in there. And frankly, there is an issue with with our kids. Are we going to be? Are you going to bankrupt yourself paying for your kids' tuition so they don't have to pay anything in the way of loans, and then you don't have any money to retire on, and then you're going to have to rely on your kids later on when they're trying to raise a family? That's not great. So you need to you need to really take a hard look at this and say, okay, I'll do what I can for my kids, but I got to save for my retirement. I don't have that many more years where I'm going to be in a job where I can salt it away. So people really need to run the numbers on that and not get caught in the trap of. Oh, I got to do everything for my kids, and then what? What's going to happen to you? Because the the borrowing is huge on four hundred one k's. I think it's over four hundred billion dollars or something like that now. So you're no, right, but a lot of people not are a good idea. Anyway. I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, you also have a brief section on when to start collecting Social Security. Uh, you say seventy two percent, you know, do it at the full retirement age. But is it better to wait, or, or what? What is your advice in that particular area? Well, if you think you're going to live to a ripe old age and you delay taking Social Security, you will get a bigger check. And if you live a long time to collect it, you end up uh, coming out ahead. If you delay taking it and you die early, obviously it doesn't work so well. Uh, a lot of people do, do take it early, Jordan, earlier than their full retirement age, which for most boomers is 66 yeah. uh, and some 67. The 65 pretty much is by the boards now. I mean, it's already 66 that's baked into the cake for most boomers. And if you wait till you're, uh, till 66, you get what's called your full benefit. But many people do take it early, but they, they will lose about 30% of their benefit, for example, if they take it at 62 instead of waiting till 66. If they don't have anything else, this is all they're relying on, and that's why they have to take it early in many cases. If they've left work and they're dependent on that money at that time, but then they permanently, for the rest of their lives, will get a lower check than if they had waited until full retirement age. So I would, you know, I'm in no rush to start collecting that money, but my plan is to kind of continue working. And if you continue working while you're collecting early Social Security benefits, 62, 63, 64, they start reducing your benefit if your income goes over a certain amount, and it's a fairly low amount before they start re- reducing your, your Social Security payment. So if you're going to keep working, uh, you really don't want to get those early benefits. Once you get to 66, you can make as much money as you want in a job, and you'll still get your full benefit. Yeah. Terrific. Well, this has been very fascinating. This is certainly very relevant to an awful lot of people, and they have to realize these things are coming. We've talked about real estate. We've talked about health care and investments and the, the psychological aspect of retirement, and it's going to be very different for the boomers uh, than the past. Again, my guests uh, during this hour have been uh, Mark Mills, who's a certified financial planner, and his wife, Nancy Fernandez Mills, um, who's a writer and producer. Uh, their book is called Boomers, Funding Your Future in an Age of Uncertainty. Uh, their website is boomerstv.com. Thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you, Thank Jordan. You, Jordan. And we'll be back again next week.
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.